0: Hey folks, Duncan Kinney here, host of The Progress Report. I wanted to do a little something different with this intro. So yes, we are still a proud member of the Harbinger Media Network, and if you haven't yet, you should go and listen to the latest Alberta Advantage episode on Danielle Smith thought to get a very interesting and well-done peek inside her very strange brain. But I want to take a moment to talk about the rest of 2022 and what the editorial focus of The Progress Report, both online and online. And the podcast should be. And I have to tell you, I am down the rabbit hole on something. And it's still very early stages, but I have to tell you about it. I want to preview it. And it is the history of cop whistleblowers in Edmonton. Um, you know, it really is an incredible history of both Edmonton, policing in Edmonton, as well of just the thin blue line in action and just how resistant the institution of policing is to change we've got crooked photo radar deals we've got credible allegations of rape and kidnapping of sex workers that were just not followed up on and of course we've got the modern case of detective dan b with carmen Prevez, uh, which continues to drag on and in nearly every single case the whistleblower was run out of the police and the allegations were ignored and so this was initially going to be an episode or maybe two, but now I'm thinking it's got to be a series, something like four to six. And the reason I'm talking about it right now is that I do want to hear from you. And so if this is something that you want to do, if I'm, if I, sometimes I get on these things, I don't know if there's something real there, but I really do think there's something real. So, you know, at the end, I, I'll have a way to get a hold of me, but please reach out to me. Is this something you're interested in? Please Let me know. The format for these is also going to be a little different. I want to write out a bit of a narrative and essentially have a guest on to react and kind of riff to it, similar to, say, Behind the Bastards, if you've ever listened to that podcast. Uh, I do have a couple of guests who are uh, both very good as well as who are interested, but also if you have any ideas for guests, I would love to hear that as well. Uh, Aside from that particular kind of like one-off series, I think there should be two other editorial priorities for the rest of 2022 for the progress report. The first one is going to be obvious. Danielle Smith, um, you know, she is the premier of our province for at least the next six or so months. And I think the editorial focus should prioritize the upcoming legislative session that's running from, uh, at least right now, is planned to run from October 31st to December 1st. You know, at that point, we're going to see if the Alberta Sovereignty Act is actually a thing or not. Uh, You know, Smith seems to have a pretty ambitious legislative agenda. And I think the reality of what she wants and what she is going to be able to achieve is going to be a very interesting story to follow. The other priority I was thinking of was um, going to be the Edmonton municipal budget with a tight focus on the police budget and the effect that, you know, what the commitments of the police budget are going to be doing to the Edmonton municipal budget. So while council did agree to kind of a temporary funding formula, and maybe the issue will be quiet for now, I I think it's important to keep an eye on it. And I think there are going to be some very good things that are not going to be funded because of how much money is being shunted to the police. Um, So what do you think? Do these editorial priorities matter for you for the rest of 2022? Do they make sense? Do you have any notes or thoughts or comments on this editorial, on these editorial priorities, broadly speaking? Is there anything else you think we should cover? Please, uh, I do want to know. So please reach out to me on Twitter or via email, K at ProgressAlberta.ca. And lastly, I got to ask if you're, if you do like the work we do, if you believe in our editorial vision, please consider becoming a monthly donor. There is a link in the show notes or just go to the progressreport.ca slash patrons and put in your credit card now onto the show. Friends and enemies. Welcome to the Progress Report. I am your host Duncan Kinney, and we're recording today here in Mississauga, otherwise known as Edmonton, Alberta. Here in Treaty Six territory, on the banks of the mighty Cassiscasawanissippi, or the North Saskatchewan River. Joining us today is a friend of the show, Garth Mullins, host of the Crackdown Pod, organizer with the Vancouver area network of drug users, and a resident of Vancouver, where just over the weekend a bunch of dark yoga money combined with the local cop union has now installed a mayor and city council (laughs) in Vancouver. Garth, uh, welcome to the pod. I I wish we were speaking today under better circumstances.
1: Yeah, me too. Uh, Thanks for having me, Duncan.
0: So, uh, Garth, I, I... I look from across the mountains at what happened in Vancouver and I have a few questions and that's why you're here. Uh, what, what the fuck happened? Mm.
1: Uh, a guy well, named Kim
0: Sim. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's all I really know.
1: Yeah. I mean, part of this is that Vancouver ha- has always liked to think of itself as more progressive than it actually is. Mm-hmm. And I think it's perfectly encapsulated by probably the richest guy in the city is the, uh, Founder and former CEO of Lululemon, Chip Wilson. And he had some uh, sort of undeclared uh, election spending <laughs> involved in this, uh, which I've called dark yoga money. Uh, and, I, you know, I think that kind of encapsulates Vancouver. This guy is a big fan of Ayn Rand and sort of r- uh, really muscular free market capitalism. And that's really what Vancouver is it is free market capitalism in yoga pants. Fuck. So this guy, Chip Wilson's guy, Ken Sim,
0: with a municipal political party, which is like, we just don't have those here. So it's always interesting to say that out loud. With the municipal political party called A Better City, ABC, rolled over, now former mayor, uh, that Kennedy Stewart guy, and they've got a majority on city council. They've got the majority on park board. They've got a majority on school board. So What was this election about and what did this Ken Sim guy run on and why did he absolutely roll over everyone else?
1: The right in Vancouver has been sort of building this panic and fear around public safety for a few years now, you know, from sort of the middle of the pandemic. Uh, Just it's this, you know, I think we've all seen it before from the right in almost any jurisdiction just this uh, uh, crimes getting worse, the streets aren't safe, everything's dirty, everything's messy. Oh my God, there's visible poverty in my field of of vision. And I mean, safety in Vancouver is a real concern. Uh, Like everyone deserves to feel safe. And and if you wanna talk about safety, there's been a lot of deaths here from toxic drugs, from the heat dome we had last year, uh, from the pandemic. So a lot of people are dying. Uh, but that's not the kind of safety that they're talking about. So yeah, it was framed around um, safety, but really I th- I think it's a lot of uh, people feeling very anxious about what they would call street disorder or visible poverty or something. Over the past few years, we've had uh, lots of homelessness because uh, the average rent here is like 2,500 bucks a month. Uh, and, and so people have uh, set up 10 cities, which have been, expelled and forced around by the cops and that sort of gives the visuals that uh that the right is looking for to say look at this this is uh you know our, our city has fallen apart um and that framing was really successful uh ken sim had the endorsement of the vancouver police association which is like the cop union here um led by a, a pretty right-wing guy named ralph kaiser and uh also had a little little undeclared assist from chip wilson's uh pacific prosperity institute uh which is uh you know a sort of political action committee they the, they got dinged by the election regulator for for doing undeclared election advertising
0: whoops just uh mistakenly donated a few hundred thousand dollars where I shouldn't have you know could have happened to anyone really um so yeah that that's again very scary i mean I think it really looks like police and business interests kind of have coalesced behind this Ken Sim character and this political party, Uh, police and business interests seem to have kind of coalesced together in this very scary way in Vancouver. Is this, you know, as Dan Beckner described it uh, in a good Twitter joke, is this fascism with, you know, Lululemon characteristics?
1: Yeah, I don't, I don't really know. It's, I, I, uh, I think the 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 police and the sort of municipal politicians together. We've seen this before in Vancouver, right? We've seen mayors and municipal people get very excited about police crackdowns and kind of run on that and organize it. Um, you know, and I've lived through three different occurrences of this myself, uh, and this is this is probably the the boldest one because. The police union has not endorsed candidates before and candidates have not said, I promise to hire a hundred cops as soon as I get elected. That's what Ken Sim is doing. He says, he's going to hire a hundred cops. And so this is like a very, um, you know, a tight little relationship there, but there's, there's really, that's, that's all he ran on. There's essentially no housing policy. So this is, this is a, a campaign that just appeals straight to people's fears uh, you know, and, and even um, even the campaign itself was full of, well, how do you feel? Not what are the crime statistics? You know, Vancouver, like a lot of other places, has seen a slow decades long decline of, you know, all, all sorts of serious crime. Uh, of course, not white collar crime, uh, but uh, that the campaign was about people's feelings and uh, a lot of uh, players on the right participated in sort of whipping up that fear uh you know there's a film created by um you know a whole bunch of people on the right called vancouver is dying which has been this uh you know blame blame harm reduction blame progressive policies uh for the state of the city this is something that's become popular in the u.s kind of up and down the west coast everyone's trying it on uh, yeah, Michael Schellenberger, Seattle is dying, exactly. like
0: this yep, this, yep. this whole like it's, you know, visible poverty is the reason why things are bad. And if we just like if we just lock everyone up, we'll sort it all out.
1: And, and I think that it's funny because this relies on you not paying attention to what's going on in any other city but your own, or, or at least in the political discussion in any other city, because so many cities have this discussion. And including cities, uh, by the way, with no record of any sort of little tiny incremental progressive policy reforms. <laughs> um, and and they all say other things like, oh, our city is so uh, gentle and coddles houseless people so much that we attract homelessness from other parts of the country. You know, but if. Every city is saying a version of this. Where, where do people come from? This is this is a myth. You know, they've actually asked people, done surveys, and asked people, and so it's not true. But uh, it's sort of um, a right wing talking point that's really been brewing over the last few years. We we watched it start a couple of years ago with just little online uh, efforts by citizens groups aligned with the right, sort of. Filming, you know, taking video of people uh, using drugs in public or just being without a house in public and and putting them online and saying, oh, look at this. Isn't this outrageous? And it's quite humiliating and kind of ruinous to the dignity of the of the person who's just trying to survive. But it's also like their little uh, propaganda effort. And it's, you know, it's slowly caught fire. But I got to say the political center here, which is uh, Kennedy Stewart and and, and uh, people like that, uh, the, who the former mayor. They didn't really do a very good job of, of defending themselves, of framing the election, of saying, okay, if, if you're worried about safety, um, we should look at sort of systemic explanations for the things you're thinking about, or we should think about, well, safety for who. Um, he did say, you know, uh, police aren't going to solve this. He was probably the only candidate who said more cops aren't going to solve this. And so I give kudos to him for that because you don't often see a Vancouver mayor uh, break, break away from the police, but uh, you know we we just we've seen the center cannot hold, and uh, I worry that we're going to see a replay of this when um, the next provincial election comes around, when we have the BCNDP facing a, a new right, and uh, when we see Trudeau uh, and Polyev face off in twenty twenty five or whatever. I think the the hollowness of the political center. Is just not up to a real fear-based insurgent challenge from the right.
0: Yeah, I think what we are seeing here in Vancouver is a harbinger of what's to come. Uh, you know, at the provincial level, uh, at the federal level, I'm really curious about the involvement of the cop union in the election. What what was the extent and scale of their involvement in this thing?
1: Well, I don't, I don't know for sure. Um, you know, we've, we've heard journalists in Vancouver who have contacts in the, in the police department saying that, um, police officers were telling each other from the summer, uh, Ken Sims, our guy, um, we know that the police union endorsed him and, uh, that there was a, you know, a, uh, you know, a screening of that Vancouver is dying and a, a little debate and stuff. Um, that really centrally involved them. So uh, the police union becoming a player in this uh, is, is, is definitely a new, I think a new thing for Vancouver.
0: I mean, I've never seen a police union get involved in municipal politics in Edmonton or Calgary in all of, I mean, I'm 40 years old. I mean, in the time I've been paying attention to politics in Edmonton and in Calgary in that time, I mean, it, uh, yeah. I mean, they usually stick to their own knitting. I mean, they're not content to simply getting massive pay increases every time they ask and their budget increasing every time they ask. They also have to have their guys run the city, I guess, right,
1: yeah, I guess that's it, you know, um I think it's also worth saying like I'm a trade unionist myself, I believe that unions should vote uh should you know, back candidates and that sort of thing. But uh, the police are, the police union is is not a union. Police are not oh, yeah. workers. Uh, yeah. I, I don't know whether it needs to be said, but uh, it's a oh, different it's a, thing. You know, yeah, yeah. one of the reasons that police were formed, modern policing was formed, was to break strikes, was to break the uh, capacity of the working class to organize. So I really think we should remember that. And, and that DNA lives on in police unions. So uh, to me, the fact that, cops have a monopoly on the use of force, or I guess a monopoly on the legitimized use of force under capitalism, means that if they're picking leaders, uh, we're really in a dodgy a dodgy place. Absolutely.
0: And yes, uh, cops are not workers. Cop unions are not real unions. They're not a part of the labor movement. And and uh, if you're in a union with cops in it, you should be working to get them out. Um so, oh, just one last question on Ken Sim. Is it true that he's like a Landmark Forum guy? I saw that somewhere. Have you, have you heard of this? That,
1: that is what I've heard, yeah.
0: Okay, well, I don't want to talk too much about Landmark Forum because they're very litigious, but uh, Google them. They're they're a very interesting, definitely not a cult group. Um, so, <laughs> police budget. I think it's safe to assume that the Vancouver police budget is going up. You can't just hire 100 cops out of thin air. And... Yeah not expect Vancouver's already considerable police budget. I think 21% of its total budget to not go up. Is is that fair to say?
1: Oh yeah, for sure. I mean that's gonna that's gonna I don't know, at least 10% increase to just to cover that, but uh just to cover salary, I should say, but it's gotta be you know, you gotta think considerably more um and I I'm, <laughs> worryingly I just don't know what they're gonna do uh with with the cops either. So are we going to see like a, a concentrated effort of police uh, on the downtown East side? Like I remember April of, I think it was 2003 when 44 new cops were poured onto the downtown East side and um, it felt like a, an occupying army, you know, and, and this is, this is more, and that didn't, didn't prove to be useful at all. This uh, election has been so much about this poor little 12 square blocks, the last 12 12 square blocks in Vancouver where there's really low income housing in any concentration. And it's just been a a symbol to be, to be kicked around a a lot of the people running and spoke about the downtown East side, like it was a contagion that was uh, infecting or leaking to other parts of the city and this sort of thing. So um, people are willing to do uh, real intellectual gymnastics to not just blame uh, capitalism, the commodification of the housing market, like all the forces that we know are causing huge inequality in the society. Um, so I, I worry about the police budget expanding even more. It's been on the March for a long time, up and up and up. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the mayor who, the outgoing mayor, Kennedy Stewart did actually, uh, support a freeze of the police budget uh, during the time when um, our defund the police movements were calling for a fifty percent reduction, uh, and so I I do uh, applaud him for that, you know, because it may not sound like much, but it's unheard of really for mayors in Vancouver to go against the cops. The cops usually just say what kind of money they want, and the mayors and the council say, "Oh yes, here you go." And so when they uh, wanted an increase, and the mayor said it, no uh, freeze, and and, and other councilors did too, um, they didn't like that. And in fact, mm-hmm. they went over the council's head to the director of police services, who's an appointee in the province, who's a former RCMP, who said, oh, no, no, this is wrong. They must have their sought after increase and overruled, you know, an, an appointed official in the in the provincial government overruled the elected uh, people who are responsible for the city's budget and gave them the increase. Yeah. So uh, I, I remember, more of that. I I remember. bet.
0: I remember when that story came out. Yeah. Of this like unelected appointed somebody who fucking knows who this guy, no one had ever heard of him before had just, could just be like, actually uh, you, uh, you democratically elected uh, leaders, you representatives of municipal government. I know you've set the police budget at this, this level, you know, which again, it was, was, and it was a freeze, right? Like it wasn't like, I mean, these, these motherfuckers act like a freeze is a 50% cut. A freeze is a freeze. Government budgets get frozen all the time. Uh, a freeze was proposed and this got kicked upstairs to this unelected whoever. And it was like, Oh yeah, no, uh, actually they get what they want. And it's like, it's like, I mean, in, in Alberta, it probably would just be the minister who would just fiddle directly with the budget as opposed to kind of mediating it through this appointed whomever. But like, it, that I mean, the police truly, the rules do not apply to them. The rules apply to everyone else. They do not apply to them. And, because I am mean, I've become obsessed with like police budgets kind of since 2020. Uh, I I just did a, a quick bit of research, to just kind of compare both Edmonton to Calgary as as well as just like see how much it's grown since 2019, the, the last year before you know the the you know continent wide protest movement in 2020 post George Floyd. So in 2019, the VPD the VPD budget was 317 million dollars. In 2022. It's three hundred and sixty-seven million dollars. That is a fifteen percent increase. And if anyone's good at math, uh, I think that's fifty—a fifty million dollar increase, five zero total. Yeah. Yeah. In in four years, twenty nineteen to twenty twenty two. That's a lot. And I thought we had a bad in Edmonton, and we do have a bad Edmonton. And and honestly, the number I'm about to quote to you could go higher. But in EPS in Edmonton, the EPS budget was three hundred and seventy-eight million in twenty nineteen. And now in 2022, it's 418 and a half million. That's an 11% increase, but there's a bit of wiggle room in that number. The year isn't over yet. And, and there's still a bunch of stuff that could get added to it. And it's kind of too complex to explain in a podcast. I'm still writing that story, but it's very, that number is very likely to go up. And so it does not appear as if the police have been defunded, Garth.
1: <laughs> no. No, Uh, the police have not been defunded.
0: And so, I mean, anytime you hear people worried about the police not having enough resources, uh, don't worry. Uh, The police are doing just fine. The police have won the defund the police battle conclusively, and they uh, have a pile of cash that only gets bigger every year.
1: Yeah, that's very true.
0: Um, another, there's a couple other Vancouver Edmonton police comparisons that I have to make too, as well, which is that Vancouver is home to the highest paid municipal police chief in Canada. Uh, any guesses on what, uh, VPD chief Adam Palmers makes?
1: Oh, I I don't know.
0: $378,000 a year. Hmm. Followed, followed closely in second place by EPS chief Dale McPhee at $340,000 a year. Making uh both of these people the highest paid civil servants, civil servants, uh within the kind of municipal firmament at either city. So
1: Right. Wow.
0: Um The other thing I gotta bring up, because the your cop union was getting involved in politics, I think our cop union, I mean our cop union here in Edmonton has its own quirks and particularities, but maybe they felt left out. Maybe they felt they had to, you know to jump in, but recently a letter was written by Michael Elliott, the president of the Edmonton Police Association, to Mayor Amarjeet Sohi. And it is so incredibly catty and pathetic that I, 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 I'm just going to read it aloud to you. And I did request that you not read this in advance because I didn't. It's uh, It's very funny. And I'm just going to read it out loud because reading it out loud, I think really brings to light how absurd it is. So this is dated September 28th, you know, dear Mayor Sohi, on September 26, 2022, the Police and Peace Officer Memorial Ceremony occurred at the Alberta Legislature Grounds. This event occurs annually to pay respects and honor those members who have sacrificed their lives protecting and serving their communities. As you may know, Edmonton has witnessed too many officers who have fallen, most recently Constable Daniel Woodall in 2015, who was attempting to arrest an individual for hate-related crimes. Representatives from all levels of government, including the Honorable Lieutenant Governor of Alberta, Salma Lakhani, attended to pay their respects. Your presence, however, was noticeably absent. Although I appreciate the importance of your attendance at the Electric and Hydrogen Vehicle Expo on September 25th, it was disappointing to not have our mayor in attendance on behalf of the citizens of Edmonton. A quick review of your social media pages has indicated the following. And then he's just like, Mayor Sohi, like, shout out the firefighters at their Memorial Day. You have proclaimed International Nurses Day in Edmonton. You thanked and acknowledged the transit operators. Uh. Yeah, he does. He does this scan of kind of like the mayor's social media page. I thank you for acknowledging select first responders and city of Edmonton staff for their service as they are important within our community. And we too have great relationships and respect for all our essential service employees. However, it is becoming increasingly evident through your actions or lack thereof, you do not support your police officers who sacrifice so much to keep the city of Edmonton safe. As far as I am aware, no one from your office attended, recognized, or connected with the Edmonton Police Service on this important day. Moreover, it does not appear you even acknowledged the Police and Peace Officer Memorial, which is held in our national capital, our provincial capital, and across the country every year. Our fallen officers and past and current members deserve better. They work diligently and professionally in our city every day to help, it protect, to help and protect citizens, and we are extremely disappointed and expect more from our mayor. You may not support us, but your office should at least pretend to respect our members and give the appearance you care as mayor who represents the people of the city. They have earned it. Uh, and then he CC'd this to Minister Justice Minister Tyler Shandro, the chief of police, and the police commission chair. So,
1: so there and you go. How did this become public? Uh,
0: it was leaked to me. <laughs> and I reported on it. I wrote the story. And right. um, i I mean, that is... I mean, it's very funny that it was leaked to me. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, it was leaked to me anonymously. Like, I don't know who sent it to me. Uh, but I mean, for so a
1: group it, of people who are for a group of people who are known to be actively aggressive, there's a lot of passive aggressive writing in there.
0: <laughs> you can at least pretend to care. It's it's so overwrought. It is. It's so wild. And then um, I reached out to the mayor's office, of course, uh, for a comment on this they were not pleased that i had it by the way they would have preferred that this had not become public <laughs> cuz <'cause laughs> how how bad yeah. it looks but uh and uh they were like oh yeah um uh, we weren't invited and we looked into this actually and um we looked back 6 years and we weren't able to find an invitation in the past 6 years <laughs> and um yeah so and then he was like but then i went to the memorial that exists and i went and had a private moment and it was i was moved and that was kind of Mayor Sohi's statement and uh right so these
1: guys have <laughs> enough time to be combing the mayor's social media account but not enough to just put a stamp on the envelope and send them an invitation i eh?
0: <laughs> no. or yeah not enough time to just say hey could you come to the one next year <laughs> you know like yeah
1: yeah i i do think that that mayors uh especially of big cities are under a lot of pressure from their police departments and i've long thought that the chief of police of Vancouver is actually the most powerful politician in the city, not the mayor. Oh, you know, th- oh, that's absolutely, the, that's the shot caller here, anyway. You know, this it is the same case
0: in the city of Edmonton. Chief Dale McPhee is not only the highest paid civil servant in Edmonton, he is the most powerful person in the city of Edmonton by a wide, wide, wide margin. Yeah, <laughs> uh, he yeah. Was able so to I mean, the I city council have- get whatever he wants. Like, who else can say that? Not even the mayor. And the mayor our, has been on the wrong our, side uh, of a lot of this stuff
1: and our outgoing mayor uh Kennedy Stewart you know um like i i have had disagreements with him in meetings and stuff before uh representing Van Du and we've had friction but um you know he has been willing to be offside with the cops which it's not doesn't really happen very much you know the the police are really powerful and they've just shown they can kind of make or break you and um so I, I like he's out now, and I I got to say, a Kennedy Stewart City would be easier for for us to kind of try and make our way and and end the overdose crisis in than a Ken Sim City um, with just enhanced policing. This guy, uh, the Kennedy Stewart, the former mayor, was willing to consider a freeze of the police budget. Did have serious discussions about what decriminalization would look like in Vancouver. Before that kind of went up to the Fed, so there were some there were some initiatives that he was willing to show some movement on that we were interested in, you know.
0: Yeah, and I'll say the same thing for Mayor Amjad Sohi. I mean, he's he's he just won an election last year, twenty twenty one. So he's still around for a little more while, uh, for a little while longer. That the police can't get rid of him quite yet, but he has tried. He has tried. Not, I mean, not. He hasn't expended all of his political capital or gone balls to the wall to try and rein in the police budget. But he he has been on the right side of a couple of votes. He has tried to rein in the police budget, and he has failed because uh, because the police are able to bring so much power and pressure to bear on city council and on his colleagues that like they, they there's just nothing you can do. They have rolled over council on four separate occasions, really since the summer this budget has just increased massively and it's set to go up even more. Um, yeah. It's, I could talk about police budgeting for a long time, especially this one in Edmonton, but I, I won't bore you. I know you don't have the details and the story isn't done yet. So I, I still have to do some reporting on it. I'm not some super smart political science theorist, uh, but it certainly seems to me that what we're seeing here in Edmonton with the police budget wrap rising by so much with, with the, the takeover by this like pro cop you know pro capitalism anti poverty coalition here with dark yoga money behind it in Vancouver that this certainly seems to be a reaction by police and business interests to what happened in 2020 would you would you agree that like th- this is a force this is the force of reaction at work
1: yeah i think police across north america anyway are pissed and have been engaging in these kind of political tactics and also just work slowdowns and expressing their frustration, you know, uh, just like people not being on board with them, you know, like I, it's, it's hard to remember, but it wasn't so long ago that it was really very difficult in mainstream context to question police or police budgets or police truthfulness or, or anything like that, mm-hmm. you know, and the shine has kind of come off now and a lot of people have been able to see, uh the other uh, you know the stories that we tell that that we experience of of cops and there's there's room for that now there's a competing narrative to the copaganda that's out there i think they don't like it i think they're uh pretty pissed off about that
0: yeah they got i think they got scared by that the popular movement with the clear demand that sprung up after george floyd right it was it was a it was a popular yeah. movement it was supported by the vast majority of the population and it had a clear demand and they realized that that clear demand posed, posed a mortal threat to their existence and to their budget. And they went as hard as they could in the opposite direction and, and have jacked up police budgets as fast and as hard as they could ever since. And not only Mm -hmm. that, but they are starting now they're starting to get involved in politics as well. And, and, you know, I, I know you said this on Twitter, but I think, it's worth repeating here what you said, right? Like you think a crackdown is coming and that the center is hollow. What, what is coming and what is to be done about it?
1: Well, uh, in Vancouver, this uh, municipal government just got elected with a mandate just to do one thing, you know, clean up the streets like that is by far and away what they were campaigning on, what they framed the whole thing about. I mean, that's what they're, that's what they're going to do, you know, with, um, with a hundred new cops, they can really uh do that, and I, I think they're gonna want to show some uh big moves. They got a majority on all of the boards and and council that they ran for, so it's just uh things are gonna change. I, I I expect that's what we're gonna see, and like having seen these before, uh I I kind of feel on the one hand like I know a little bit what to expect. But also this is like, you're right. This is part of a bigger backlash. This is part of, um, you know, the police and, and uh, this new city council kind of being politically connected. So there's, there's more to worry about there. Um, I don't, I don't know where it ends, you know?
0: And the point that you're make that you were making, I think is, is worth, you made it a bit earlier in the pod too, is worth repeating that, like, you know, the hollow centrism of like trying to appease you know, the police trying to appease capital, like you just get run over to them, run over by them in the end, if you don't, if they don't get what they want. And so you actually do yeah, I mean, have to it, it, build a political movement that can stand up to them.
1: You, you definitely do. And if, if people are making these incremental policy moves that don't really sh- show much movement, uh, you know, if, if, if there's like a little pilot project for safe supply um that only serves a couple hundred people and it doesn't affect the thousands that die in a year because it's too small and doesn't have the reach people in Alberta and on the right in BC will point to it and go see safe supply doesn't work we tried it and it doesn't work and this is true of all the other kinds of incremental progressive policy it just acts like a bait for the right to say it, it didn't work and of course it's never what we asked for anyway we were demanding real fundamental changes And, you know, on the federal level, you have uh, uh, the center also being hollow and you have someone on the right, Pierre Polyev, saying, well, what about affordability? And if if the right is the only person that's going to consistently talk about the material, like improving the material circumstances of regular people, even if, of course, they don't mean it, even if, of course – Pierre Polyev has a record as being a union buster and wanting to set back the cause of trade unions, which is actually where decent wages come from. Um, we're in trouble, right? People are going to not know the details of that. And they're going to be attracted by a message that that resonates instead of a incremental policy tinkering from the center message that that doesn't.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Like, What happened when Vancouver police or sorry, what happened when Vancouver City Council tried to implement a little penny anti-freeze? They got fucking run over. (laughs) And I'm not saying that the result maybe would have been different if they had dropped the police budget by $50 million. But if they had dropped the police budget by $50 million, maybe they could have gotten enough money out the door in the meantime to actually help some people, you know? And you know this—the this scale. I, what I—I I don't think people get about police budgets is this scale of the money that goes out the door. You know, the Edmonton police budget—you know—it's four hundred and twenty, four hundred eighteen and a half million dollars. Uh, of that's just the envelope of money they get from the city of Edmonton. Their real budget is going to this in twenty twenty two is going to be closer to half a billion dollars. Edmonton is the sixth largest city in Canada, and their police budget is half a billion dollars. <laughs> like the yeah. the scale of money that goes out the door that we spend on policing that could be going to actually building houses actually like letting people ride transit for free giving people the mental health supports they need uh, all of those would do far more to reduce crime and to actually make people feel safe rather than just giving the cops whatever they want come budget time
1: i mean the police have figured out that they need to be part of a movement, part of a movement from the right. And if you look at that uh, Vancouver is dying video, it shows you um, a dozen of the leading lights of that movement. In the credits, it shows you where the money comes from. And Chip Wilson and, and um, powerful and very wealthy people in the city are understanding that they have to form a social movement, not just leave it to a few people in office, but they need a big movement that connects all the dots. And, uh, that's actually how things change is social movements do it. Unfortunately, uh, social movements on the right over the past five or 10 years across North America, well, and Europe have been, uh, ascendant have been mobilizing and, uh, on the March, And we need to rebuild the left in a way that can really confront and challenge them, or we're going to wind up in a very, very bleak place pretty quick.
0: I hear that. Garth, thanks for coming on the pod. I really do appreciate it. Uh, Folks, if you're not listening to Crackdown Pod, if you're not following Garth on Twitter, please do so. Garth, is there any other specific stuff you want to plug uh, to the folks who are listening?
1: Uh, if you're in Vancouver, come and see my band, low dead space play at black lab on November the 4th. We're hey, like all folks. the bleakness and sadness I've expressed here, but in musical form. Sick. I love it.
0: I would, if I could go, I would, um, <laughs> uh, folks, if you like this podca- podcast, if you like the work we do, uh, there's a very simple, easy way to support us. Join the 500 other. So folks who help keep this little independent media project going, Go to theprogressreport.ca slash patrons, put in your credit card, sign up for a monthly contribution. There are other ways to donate too. There'll be more information in the show notes. There's also a link in the show notes if you don't want me to, if you don't want to go back and rewind and listen to me say the URL. Also, if you have any notes, thoughts, comments, things you think I need to hear, I am very easy to get a hold of on Twitter at, at Duncan And you can reach me by email at Duncan K at progressalberta.ca. Thank you to Jim Story for editing. Thank you to Cosmic Family Communists for our theme. Thank you for listening and goodbye.